the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Ring of Truth with our pastor and teacher, Dan Sexton, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Ellicott City. Please join Pastor Dan as he teaches through God's Word. He drank the cup of God's fury, drank the cup of God's wrath. Remember when Jesus was in Gethsemane, the night of his arrest, he even prayed, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he drank that cup when he was on the cross. He drank the cup and he drained the cup. He didn't just drink half of it or most of it. He drained the cup of God's fury against our sin. He took the wrath for us when he was on the cross. We owe God an immeasurable debt of gratitude. For thousands of years, millions of us have spit in his face. We have scoffed at his authority and perverted his good and perfect design. He has every right to simply wipe us out and start all over. Yet, as Pastor Dan reminds us in today's message, instead of bringing destruction and wrath like we deserve, God sent His Son to live amongst us. He then allowed Him to suffer the worst we had to offer, to the point of dying a gruesome, painful death in our place, all out of love for you and me. And now, open your Bibles to the book of Isaiah, chapter 51, as we join Pastor Dan for today's edition of Ring of Truth. He goes on to say, And you feared continually every day because of the fury of the oppressor. And I want you to see here the connection. Israel forgot her maker, and so she lived in constant fear every day. And I I think there's a direct connection there between They're forgetting God and their fear or their worry and their anxiety. I think quite often the two go together for us. When we forget about the Lord and we begin to fear man or we begin to fear our circumstances or we begin to worry or we grow anxious. And here the word forget, when it talks about forgetting God, it's not like they, you know, like have amnesia. The word forget here, it means to ignore Or to cease to care about. And when you begin to ignore the Lord. Or you know. uh, God as it isn't as important to you. As he once was. You don't care about him as much as you once did. You're not not seeking first the kingdom of God. Like you used to do. Quite often. You become fearful and anxious. And worrisome. About things in your life. The greatest cure for fear. Is just spending time with God. And just getting, getting into the word reading the Gospels, looking at the life of Jesus and meditating on his life, meditating on his love for us, uh, what he did for us on the cross. That's the perfect way to cast out fear. His perfect love casts out 
our fear. You know, in, in Philippians um, chapter four, again, I'll just read it to you. Uh, Philippians chapter four. Uh, verse six, it says, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. You know, as we pray, that's that's spending time with the Lord, you know, it's just being with him and talking to him, you know. As we pray, make our requests known to the Lord, his peace, which surpasses understanding. What that means is it doesn't necessarily make sense that you would have peace at this time in your life because of your circumstances. But you'll have this peace from God that passes all understanding. And that peace will guard your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. As you go through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, God's answer to our fear is always himself. Fear not, for I'm with you. It's always his answer. It's him. He's the answer to fear. And what you see here in verse 13 for Israel, they have forgotten the Lord, their maker. He's not a high priority anymore. And what do you see? Fear's going up. They're, they're afraid every day, continually afraid. The two go hand in hand. The two are connected. Verse 14 it goes on. The captive exile hastens that he may be loosed, that he should not die in the pit and that his bread should not fail. I I love the New Living Translation here for verse 14 says, soon all your captives will be released. Imprisonment, starvation and death will not be your fate. That's their circumstances right now. But the Lord says this isn't your fate. This isn't where it's going to end up. This isn't how this isn't the end of the story. It may look like that to you, but that isn't the end of the story. You got to walk by faith, not by sight. Verse 15. But I am the Lord, your God, who divided the sea, whose waves roared. The Lord of hosts is his name, the Lord of armies. Lord says, I've got an army too. Babylonians, they've got an army, but I've got an army. Verse 16. And I have put my words in your mouth. I have covered you with the shadow of my hand that I may plant the heavens and lay the foundations of the earth and say to Zion, you are my people. In verse 16, the Lord says to Israel, I've given you my word. I've given you my word, given you my promises. And he says, and I've protected you and I've kept you safely in my hands. And he says this to them as their land is destroyed and devastated. And he says this to those who are going to be in captivity in Babylon as slaves. He said, I've got you in my hand. And you are my people. So, verse 17, the Lord now says to Israel, Awake, awake, stand up, O Jerusalem. You have drunken at the hand of the Lord, the cup of his fury. You have drunken the dregs of the cup of trembling, and you've drained it. He goes on, he says, uh, There is no one to guide her among all the sons she has brought forth. Nor is there any who takes her by the hand among all the sons she has brought up. He says here to to Jerusalem and Israel, he says, wake up, wake up. Look at what's happened to your nation. Look at how things are in your nation. It's devastated. It's ruined. It's destroyed. And it's and it's 
And it's all because of their own sin. It's all because of their own rebellion, you know, that they've they've brought God's chastening upon uh, the nation. In fact, in verse 17, you know, they drink from the cup of God's fury and they don't just take a sip. It says they drained it out. <laughs> they drank the whole thing. And what's the result? Verse 19, these two things have come to you. Who will be sorry for you? Desolation and destruction, famine and sword or violence. By whom will I comfort you? The, the result of their rebellion against God, their turning from God has brought desolation, destruction and famine and violence in the land. And again, we just finished the study of the book of Revelation on Sunday mornings and in the book of Revelation with the tribulation period that is described for us uh, beginning in chapter six of Revelation, where God pours out his wrath upon the world because the world has rebelled against him. And the result of the tribulation and the chastening there is the same that we see here. It's, it's desolation, destruction, famine, violence, but on a, a, a global level. And remember that God hasn't appointed us believers to experience his wrath. First Thessalonians 5 tells us that. And the reason we don't experience his wrath is because Jesus Christ already drank that cup for us. He drank the cup of God's fury, he drank the cup of God's wrath. Remember when Jesus was in Gethsemane, the night of his arrest, he even prayed, Father, if there's any way for this cup to pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. And he drank that cup when he was on the cross. He drank the cup and he drained the cup. He didn't just drink half of it or most of it. He drained the cup of God's fury against our sin. He took the wrath for us when he was on the cross. Look at verse 20. Your sons have fainted. They lie at the head of all the streets like an antelope in a net. They are full of the fury of the Lord, the rebuke of your God. Again, he's saying, Wake up, wake up and look at what is going on in your nation. Look at look at the things that are happening because you've turned from me because of your rebellion. Therefore, please hear this. You know, the Lord is pleading with them. You afflicted and drunk, but not with wine. Thus says your Lord, the Lord and your God who pleads the cause of his people. See, I have taken out of your hand the cup of trembling the dregs of the cup of my fury. You shall no longer drink it. There's an end to it. But I will put it into the hand of those who afflict you, who have said to you, lie down, that we may walk over you. And I've laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over. We'll return to today's edition of Ring of Truth with Pastor Dan Sexton in a moment. But first, Pastor Dan would like to extend a special invitation to our listeners. If you've enjoyed the messages on Ring of Truth, I'd like to personally invite you to join us this Sunday at Calvary Chapel. We're located in Columbia, Maryland, just five minutes from Routes 29, 95, and 100. I'd love for you to come be part of our time of worship and Bible study this weekend at 9 or 11 a.m. I always enjoy meeting listeners of Ring of Truth, so please be sure to introduce yourself to me after church. To find out more information and to get directions, visit our website at calvaryec.com. Thanks, Pastor Dan. That website again is calvaryec.com. We look forward to seeing you. Now, back to today's message. And what God says here at the end of the chapter, he tells them he's going to flip this whole thing for them one day into their favor. 
where right now, uh, you know, they're suffering under the under the the oppression of other nations. And God's saying, I'm going to flip this whole thing where they're going to be the ones who suffer. There's going to be a day where the where the last will be first and the first will be last. And that day is going to come. And then at the end of verse 23, I just want to point out something here. Notice when he says, um, and you have laid your body like the ground and as the street for those who walk over. When they say, uh, lie down that we may walk over you. What the Assyrians would do at that time when they conquered a city, uh, they would have the survivors in that city take the dead and lay them out in the streets of the city. And then they would march their army into the city and trample on the bodies of the dead from that city. And literally, we have the saying that he, you know, he walked all over you or you're letting him walk all over you. The Assyrians literally did that. They'd walk all over uh, the bodies of those that they had conquered. And that's what verse 23, the end of it there, it's what it's referring to. Now, the Lord says again, but we're, I'm going to flip this whole thing one day in your favor. Verse or chapter 52, verse one, we're just going to go through a few verses here in chapter 52. Again, he says, awake, awake. They're spiritually asleep. The Lord's trying to wake them up. The nation's spiritually asleep. They're spiritually dull. And he's trying to get their attention and wake them up. Awake, awake. Put on your strength, O Zion. The Lord is their strength. But they haven't put him on. They've, they've turned their back on him. The Lord is their strength. Put on your beautiful garments, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to it. Verse one says, you know, it's a time of celebration. It's a time of rejoicing. Put on your beautiful garments, you know, get dressed up. And he says the reason is the uncircumcised, those who don't know the Lord and the unclean shall no longer come into Jerusalem. The Jerusalem will truly be a holy city. Now, when will that happen? That's going to happen in the new Jerusalem. Revelation 22. We're told in Revelation that only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter into the new Jerusalem that God will create. Uh, and, and that the unclean will be outside of the city. Shake yourself from the dust. Arise, sit down, O Jerusalem. Loose yourself from the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourselves for nothing. It's not something. When we, when we, when we sell ourselves to sin. And we sell ourselves for nothing. And we, you know, we sell ourselves into slavery and bondage. And it's, it's for nothing. And look what he says. And you shall be redeemed, but without money. God's going to redeem them. But he's going to redeem them without money. Normally you would pay a price of redemption with money. And here the Lord is promising he's going to redeem. They've, they've sold themselves for nothing. They've given themselves away because of their sin. And the Lord says, I'm, I'm going to redeem you, but I'll redeem you without money. That doesn't mean they're going to be redeemed for free or that they're going to be redeemed for cheap. Their redemption will be very costly. Over in the New Testament, uh, in First Peter, chapter one, verse eighteen, there Peter writes, "Knowing that you were not redeemed 
with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers. But you were redeemed with the precious blood of Jesus Christ. As of a lamb without blemish and without spot, we were redeemed, but it was not with silver and gold, it wasn't with money. It was with the precious blood of Jesus Christ, the lamb of God who was offered for us for our redemption. And here all the way back in Isaiah, the Lord says, I'm going to redeem you, but it's going to be without money. It's going to be with the blood of my son, Jesus Christ. For thus says the Lord God, my people went down at first into Egypt to dwell there. And then the Assyrians oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taken away for nothing. Those who rule over them, make them wail, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day. They went down to Egypt. They were oppressed there. Later, the Assyrians oppressed them. Then the Babylonians carried them away as slaves for, for nothing, for no reason. And they were they ruled over them. They were cruel masters. The Babylonians blasphemed the name of Yahweh continually every day. Therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Behold, it is I. God will redeem them. And they will know the Lord in that day. How beautiful, verse 7, upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. How beautiful are the feet on the mountains that bring good news. We don't typically describe feet as beautiful. Feet are pretty ugly, but feet that are bringing the good news of salvation. Those are some beautiful feet, especially to people that are in bondage and in slavery. You know, and here here the picture is, you know, you know, a messenger standing on a mountaintop and announcing to the people, your God reigns. You're free. You're free. And declaring salvation to people. You know, Paul uh, quotes this verse in Romans chapter 10 and he applies it to the gospel that we we get to proclaim the gospel to people that that they can be free from their sin and free from bondage to to their flesh and that they can have peace with God through the blood of Jesus Christ and they can be saved. They can have salvation and that we we proclaim that message from the mountaintops, if you will, in the world. Your watchmen, verse eight, shall lift up their voices with their voices. They shall sing together for they shall see eye to eye when the Lord brings back Zion. Break forth into joy, singing together your waste places, your ruins of Jerusalem. For the Lord has comforted his people. He has redeemed Jerusalem. The Lord has made bare his holy arm in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. Now, when did the, the Lord bear his holy arms to save the people on the cross? When Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross and took our sin. The Lord made bare his holy arms in the eyes of all the nations and all the ends of the earth shall see the salvation of our God. 
when he bears his arms. That's when you see the salvation of God, Jesus Christ on the cross. Now, look at verse 11. Look what he says here. What a great word. To us today, depart. Go out from there. Touch no unclean things. Go, go out from the midst of her. Be clean. You who bear the vessels. Of the Lord, the Lord, here's what he's saying. He's saying, you know, the Lord has saved you. You're saved. Jesus paid for all of our sins on the cross, every every one of them. He drained the cup. And now what he's saying is you're free. You're free to go. You're free. Depart. Go. Then he says, don't don't touch any unclean thing. You're clean. He's made you clean. And now you and I, we, we can we can walk away. From the sin and the bondage. And the things that ensnare us and hold us. We're free. You're free to go. Go and be clean. Isn't that amazing? You're just free to go. Now, I love verse 12. He says, for you shall not go out with haste. Nor go by flight. You know what he says in verse 12? You don't have to run for your lives. <laughs> You're free to go. He says, you don't have to run for your lives. We're not escaping. It's not a prison break. We've been made clean by the blood of Jesus Christ. So we don't have to make a run for it. You can just walk out. Because it's not an escape. It's, it's, it's a liberation. You know, if I was to have been justified by Jesus Christ, by the blood of Jesus Christ, just to, justified, it means it's just as if we've never sinned. And God sees us as holy and righteous and blameless and above reproach. We're not sneaking out under the cover of darkness. We've been set free. You can just go. You don't have to run. You don't have to run. (laughs) You don't have to make a run for it. You're free. You can just go. And look, look, he says, and as you go, the Lord, that's all capital, Jehovah, Yahweh. He will go before you. And the God of Israel will be your rear guard. You're free to go. You've been set free. You're no longer slaves. You're free to walk out. You don't have to make a run for it because you're not escaping. You've been liberated. And the Lord will go before you. And the Lord will go behind you. He'll lead you. He'll guard you. What else could you want? You know? Isn't that great? That's all we have time for today on Ring of Truth. We're so glad you joined Pastor Dan Sexton for his verse-by-verse study through the book of Isaiah. This extraordinary book is quoted in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament book. Plus, it provides us with the most comprehensive picture of Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. It includes the full scope of his life and ministry, from his virgin birth to his sacrificial death to his resurrection and second coming in glory. If you'd like a copy of today's message, you'll be able to find it on our website, calvaryec.com. You can also subscribe to our podcast so you never miss an edition of this program. That website again is calvaryec.com. We'd love to hear from you too and learn how Ring of Truth has blessed you. 
please take some time soon to give us a call at 410-491-4592. Let us know how God is working in your life and if there's anything that we can be praying for during this study of Isaiah. That number again is 410-491-4592. With that, our time with you has come to an end. We pray the Lord bless and keep you and that your faith is deepened with each passing day. Tune in next time to continue our study of the book of Isaiah right here on Ring of Truth.